Hello, and welcome back to the Partners for Access Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Max Rex. Today, I'm joined by Sophie Schmitz, Managing Partner, and Alison Neen, Vice President of International Operations. In our main story this week, the CHMP has given positive opinion, recommending Kim Raya and Yes Carter for approval by the EMA. Sophie Schmitz is here to tell us more. Well, in Europe, since 2009, we've had a a variety of cell and gene therapies, none of which have been particularly successful, certainly from a commercial perspective. And last week at the European Medicines Agency meeting, the June meeting, two therapies, two CART therapies received CHMP approval. I want to talk a little bit about um, each of those therapies and what potentially this means across Europe from a commercial and access perspective. So why are we excited about this? Well, it's actually three firsts. The first CAR-T cell therapies to be approved in, in Europe. Also, the first medicines that have been positively approved through the PRIME process, which is a, an accelerated access program in, in Europe, specifically for innovative medicines with a very high unmet medical need. And also as well, certainly for, for us, we, we actually believe that these are the first cell and gene therapies that are actually going to be very commercially successful. So in terms of the commercial success, I mean, if you actually have a look at some of the cell and gene therapies that have been approved previously in in Europe, they are for populations of a very small nature, very um, ultra-orphan diseases, really. Um, Certainly, if we look at Strymvelis, we look at Glybera, it's been talked about often, um, very few patients are actually treated with these therapies. If we're looking at the patient population for Yaskata and for Kim Raya, the two CAR-T therapies that have now got CHMP opinion in Europe, we're really talking about a much greater patient population. So if we look at um, Yaskata, there are around 7,700 patients that have been spoken to be eligible for the therapy. Um, similar number as well for Kim Raya. So already we're talking about a much greater revenue potential for for these two companies and certainly from a a payer and a funding perspective a much greater affordability challenge than perhaps has been experienced in the past with cell and gene therapies and that really um, is very important actually when we think about the complications and and perhaps the, the the messaging the data that needs to be presented from a price and access perspective across the HTA bodies that exist in Europe. So if we look at the different HTA bodies, one of them that typically comes under fire for uh, overly restricting or not recommending uh, new assets is NICE, um, the, the HTA body in England. And actually, when it comes to gene therapy, they, the way that they actually evaluate therapies does give a very positive um, outlook for cell and gene therapies. And let me just explain why. So NICE are actually looking through two key lenses. They look through a clinical benefit lens and they're also looking at the cost effectiveness of a new uh, technology. 
Now, when it comes to a cell or a gene therapy that has the promise of a cure, what NICE will allow is an extrapolation of the benefit over a lifetime horizon. And what that essentially means is that it will allow, in theory, it will allow a gene therapy with the promise of a cure to be able to have a much higher quality, which obviously increases the cost effectiveness ability of that particular drug. So if we look at the the STA, um, NICE had actually conducted at least a mock single technology appraisal for Kimraya. And if we actually have a look at some of the qualities that, that were developed as part of that technology assessment, and you actually have a look at the, um, there were two that were done, but one actually is the cure for the disease. You're looking at a quality of over 11 for Kimraya versus 1.11 for standard of care. So clearly there is a significant benefit um, that comes through as a result of the ability to extrapolate that data out. So what about the other European HDA bodies? Well, the others, uh, they're all really quite different, um, actually, Max. And I mean, even if we look at Germany, the system changed this year Previously, hospital drugs were actually exempt um, to go through Amnorg, and now that's actually changed. So it will be really interesting to see what happens with these CAR-T therapies. I mean, if people have any questions or or want to come and speak with us and ask anything about HTAs and and, um, cell and gene therapy, then then please um, feel free to contact us. On to Scotland, where the SMC has announced changes to how ultra-orphan drugs will be evaluated in the future. Alison, what's changing? Okay, so this week, uh, the news in Scotland is that they've actually changed the process for reviewing ultra-orphan drugs. This very much is based on Dr. Bram Montgomery's report, which was back in, way back actually, in December 2016, which was a review of access to new medicines within Scotland. And what basically he found uh, was he looked at two aspects, the access to end-of-life drugs and also orphan medicines through the SMC assessment process. The definition of an ultra-orphan medicine has now been revised to make it clearer and it will now actually be defined as a product for a condition that extends beyond the 1 in 50,000 criteria uh, and that will include other multiple factors. So for example, whether the condition is actually chronic and severely disabling or it may require highly specialised treatment or if there are any other therapeutic options of proven benefit. So what this does for Scottish patients is it actually broadens the scope of patients that normally wouldn't have been appropriate uh, for a medicine for an ultra-orphan disease. In addition to that, another key part of this new change in policy is that Products that recently got a not recommended for use SMC decision, which are for ultra-orphan disease areas, those will now be revisited. And over a three-year period, any of the new products going through for ultra-orphan diseases are those recently that have been reviewed, as I've just mentioned, and possibly had a not recommended for use. There can actually be more clinical evidence gathered over a three-year period So again, affording patients the opportunity to benefit from the new drugs for their ultra-orphan diseases and giving payers and decision makers uh, a more robust framework to make their decisions on. In other CAR-T news out of the US, 
The CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, have decided to launch a national coverage analysis for CAR-T therapies. So what is a national coverage analysis? It is where the CMS reviews whether or not Medicare should cover a particular drug. So the reason that they are conducting this analysis is because they have concerns over data limitations and safety issues connected with the two approved CAR-T therapies, Yescarta and Kimraya. This news came as quite a shock to two of the main stakeholder groups for these drugs. The manufacturers of the drugs and the patient organisations were both unhappy. So they feel that this is an extra bureaucratic step that is just retreading ground that was already covered by the FDA when they approved these therapies. The determination from this review could be anything from no change to the current status quo or partial or complete restriction of access to these drugs on Medicare. Even if no restrictions are put on these drugs, the process itself will take six to nine months and this will lead to insurers and Medicare being less willing to reimburse these drugs, leading to delays to patients for access. The worst case scenario is that not only will Medicare restrict access to these drugs, but given their influence in the American market, private insurers may follow suit. This national coverage analysis was called for by one of the big four private insurers in the US, and the pharma industry believes that they have called for this for financial reasons because they are unwilling to pay for such high-cost drugs. And that's it for this week. For more news and analysis, go to our website, www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup from iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate us. Thanks for listening and see you next week.